All right, everybody, and welcome to the Paper Bag Philosophy Podcast, the podcast with the sexiest audience. Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different because every show is different because I went crazy and it was the best decision I ever made. But uh, today, we're actually going to have a co-host. This is Zachary Payne, and uh, he said that he had some questions for me as opposed to me asking the questions. So a little bit of a turnaround for the audience, the the regular listeners who are used to me asking the questions. I'm going to be talking a lot more in this episode. Uh, Start out, uh, Zachary Payne, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Zachary Payne. Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to... uh... Really excited to do this. Good. I'm glad. You have a good radio voice. Well, thank you. <laughs> WBKR 66001. <laughs> uh, my, my grandfather was actually in radio, and uh, uh-huh. I think I kind of picked up some of his projection and his, uh, his ability to have a presence on the radio. But yeah, he was actually a DJ um, back in the day for a Christian radio station, I believe. Um, he did that for a while. So I, I never, I, it was never, I think it, uh, he got out of the radio business before I was born. So I never got to see him in action or anything. But there's like a, a photograph that we have of him uh, being a DJ at a radio station. And, you know, just something nice to have. I always wanted to do that. Um, too bad radio went downhill. Everybody can broadcast yourselves now. I don't think that radio went downhill. The traditional media is going downhill because technology is coming in and replacing it so radio isn't as popular as it used to be television isn't as popular as it used to be because new technology is coming along that's more effective more efficient and really the best part about it is that it's taking the power away from the corporations the business executives and it's putting it into the hands of the people i was just thinking good because I was watching Michael Malice, mm-hmm. and uh, he's so funny. But we were, we were talking. To, he was talking about how the news media lie. They're compulsive liars. It's all about a narrative. And uh, he made the comment, "What do you? You're just now noticing it. They've always done that." Yeah, right. this is this is not a new thing. In fact, if you go back to uh, Sometime between the 1930s and the 1950s, uh, the the Senate actually held a hearing on Project Mockingbird, um, and uh, people call this a conspiracy theory, but you can literally find the information on Wikipedia. Not saying that you should get your information from Wikipedia, because Wikipedia is very much establishment. They're very Uh, much pushing... Oh, yeah. Wikipedia, if you want to get general information about a topic, it's a good place to start, but it's not a good place for a deep dive. Um, basically I use Wikipedia to determine what the official narrative is. That's what Wikipedia is more than anything. It's a, it's an official narrative, um, peddler. Uh, so that's why you'll go on there and you'll find something and it'll be Milo Yiannopoulos. If you went on there right now, they'll probably say he's a far right extremist or something like that. I've noticed that here lately on YouTube, you have to dig. So I was looking for a Nancy Pelosi's. Uh, uh, go to Chinatown comments about uh, Trump being racist for shutting down travel because they're saying that uh, all this is Trump's fault and he didn't react and they were making they were patronized persecuting him for taking action so I go CNN at YouTube it's been hijacked CNN Nancy Pelosi go to Chinatown couldn't find it Hmm. Um, all that the establishment is all in the top feed instead of the most viewed things going to the top 
they completely hijacked it. Yeah, uh, YouTube is a complete joke now, and I and I hate it because back in the day, uh, you could find content that was really similar to what you were interested in. So if you were, right now, I'm into independent journalists. I'm into people who aren't pushing the mainstream narrative. I love what Tim Pool's done. Tim Pool's doing a great job. He gets a little fear-mongery from me sometimes, but I get where he's coming from, so I don't hate him for it. But uh, what I don't like is that what should be happening, what the way YouTube used to be, if I watch a Tim Pool video, I'm going to get connected to Sticks, Hex, and Hammer, or I'm going to get uh, connected to somebody. Uh, Tim Pool's kind of a centrist. Uh, he mm -hmm. was more left-leaning, and I think that his values are still left-leaning. It's just he supports Trump now because the left has gone too far. But, as as he ages, he becomes more conservative. It's a natural. <laughs> See, I don't think his viewpoint has changed any. I think he's just feels like the left has left him. That's what you'll I find from uh, David Rubin. That's what you'll find from Tim Pool, Roseanne Barr, from Dark Doctor Carlin, Roseanne Barr, like you said. Yeah, all of these people. It it's not so much that they're not leftist. It's just that the left has gone away from the direction of America. They've radicalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And, uh, you were talking about. Uh, I wanted to get to MK Ultra. Now you were saying to bring you back to what you originally said. Um, I was talking propaganda. about Project Mockingbird. Yes, which correct. is slightly different than MK yeah. Ultra, but they they do intersect a yeah. lot. So tell me about Project Mockingbird. Project Mockingbird is the CIA's. Um, the CIA had this mission back in the day, and it's still going on today. Is this um, ass after Goebbels after World War Two? I want to say... We'll use propaganda. Yes. We'll just change the name. Uh, yeah. Um, but essentially what they did was they put um, their own agents inside of news agencies to um, to spread misinformation to the American people. Infiltrate. So they infiltrated it. Basically. And uh, so you had all... Uh, we don't even, even know who the... Um, who the anchors were at the time. We just know that there were several prominent anchors. Um, I believe that there were over a thousand. Um, but the CIA had them in there specifically for the the reason of spreading misinformation to the American people. Um, and this is something that is continuing today. And every single mainstream source has become a propaganda outlet instead of an actual news outlet. And um, I mean... When it comes down to it, if you want to know the difference between propaganda and actual news, what you need to do is take a step back from the article. And as you're reading the article, the first thing that you need to decide or first need, thing you need to figure out is how do they want me to feel about this situation? Mm -hmm. um, who are they putting the blame on? Um, what 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 is the negative language that they're using like look for the look for the negative language that steers you in a direction of a conclusion instead of just giving you news and allowing you to come to that conclusion yourself have uh something i found out that tim pool and lydia were both raised catholic i've not because i'm catholic i do i've been doing a lot of work um in the Catholic Church, uh, and it's it's two thousand years old. It's the only organi organization that's lasted two thousand years. Now, if you read uh, Saint Augustine or Thomas Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas was really the philosophy that drives uh, what is a just war, and uh, he built off Aristotle. So, uh, I think that Catholics 
because they had, you know, there's there's the seven vices, gluttony, malice, et cetera, lust, and there's the seven virtues. And they have things categorized uh, so well. And it's 2,000 years old, so I would take uh, from Brett Weinstein, he says religion is an adaptation. We can't live without it. If we take God out of the culture, it'll create a vacuum for something probably worse to take its place. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Uh, whether God's true or not, it's kind of irrelevant. Uh, sometimes, like, the idea, treat every gun like it's loaded. I know it's not loaded, but it, acting that out mm-hmm. ensures survival. So religion actually ensures uh, survival. But, uh, shoot, what was I saying? You were talking about the Catholic Church and Tim Pool. Oh, okay. So uh, I think that... Uh, Catholics, if they're well catechized, they have a really objective way of, of looking at things. Now, I wanted to, at the very end, get into you a little bit about the Catholic Church, because uh, with this church, before you came over, what I was actually doing is uh, I've got an interview with Father Ronnie there, and um, uh, the pastor there, and uh, the, the lady who teaches kids the catechesis, mm-hmm. and this critical race theory is creeping into things, and it, it's going to be the kiss of death for a culture. But anyway, I found that out and I've just kind of noted that uh, uh, some Catholics, you know, naturally people, uh, there's the top five personality traits and naturally um, uh, any organization, politics, a church, whatever, is naturally going to lean left and right about 50-50. And the reason people vote the way they do, it's not because the opposing side is uninformed or, st- or stupid. It's because that's the way they were born. That's the way they see the world. They'll never not think like that. So in the value, uh, the, the, the hierarchy of their value system, liberal, the left tends to put fairness and compassion there at the top. As of conservatives have kind of a different value system uh, have you heard Jonathan Haidt's uh, work on the, so. the evolution of morality? Okay, and Jordan B. Peterson did some work with him too. But um, they'll never not see the world like that. They um, uh, Conservatives and liberals, they have different definitions of the same words. Now, what the left does, since things like the universities, like the humanities, um, things like communications and language, what they do is they'll hijack old words and put new meanings on them. Mm-hmm. You, so it's really just a game of linguistics, uh, like the abortion issue, for example. But uh, <clears throat> so they'll uh, they'll naturally stack up to the left or the right. Conservatives tend to take all the values and distribute them evenly. But you'll see that in personality and uh, job interest, for example. Uh, conservatives are very good at running businesses Liberals are good at innovating them, mm-hmm. but not vice versa. So, like when I talked to Father Ronnie, uh, liberals, and this is a social science. You can look at uh, Jonathan Haidt at Princeton University, H-A-I-T-E. Um, liberals tend to, um, shoot, first dead time. <laughs> oh, shit, my, my, I got ADHD. My mind jumps around so much. So, um. Oh shoot! They'll put um, new definitions on on words, and that anyway, they tend to stack up on the left or the right. They'll um, uh, they'll have uh, different 
def definitions of the same words. And um, I, from my perspective, I think that that's one of the biggest battles. One I of forgot the biggest... what I was going to say. <laughs> You're all good, man. But uh, one of the biggest battles, in my opinion, is the battle for language. And it's um, it's something that I'm tr I'm starting to fight more because I'm starting to recognize it more. When I'm having a conversation with somebody online or something like that, they'll use one of these leftist terms. <clears throat> and it's like, well, this means something to them that is different than what I'm saying. And so I come in and I say, look, I reject your definition. Right. I, I'm, I'm not going to play by your terms. Because, yes, by your terms you win, but you made up the rules. You made up the terms. This is Calvin Ball. Um, we're not talking about this idealized society that you are um, imagining in your mind. Uh -huh. um, we're talking about reality. Objective. We're talking about truth, and we're talking about these definitions that have held fast for a long period of time. And you can't, <clears throat> you can't come in with new definitions to old wor old words and then act surprised when uh, there's a lack of communication between you and the uh, opposing political party. They think everything is a social construct when things partly are, but. Uh... The, you know, like there's biological difference between men and women. And I think where they make the mistake is uh, gender is a social construct. And it's like partly there are biological biological differences between men and women. Everybody knows and can see, see that. But since language is socially constructed, like, like you can exchange. Okay, here's a good example. I think this is a philosopher, Occam. If you pick up an orange... It's like, hey, I'd, I'd like the orange to be something different, maybe more like an apple. Let's change what is this, the word. CNN? <laughs> huh? CNN. They had that that commercial during the Super Bowl that said it was like a picture of an apple, and it said, "This is an apple. It will always be an apple." CNN giving you the truth or something, and then everybody was like, "Right, right. You sure it's not a banana, CNN? Because that's it, that's about your new standard." It's something like that. It's uh, the philosophy is that. If I've got an orange and I want it to be an apple and I change the word to apple and I teach my kids that it's actually an apple, it doesn't physically change the fact that it's an orange and always be an orange. Mm -hmm. So you, you and as far as you're saying like uh, your own fantasy, it's like we're living in a 12 year old girl's fantasy is what culture is like right now. Uh, sometimes. Um, the reason... The reason that it feels that way is because the, those voices are the loud voices. Um, first off, those voices are very passionate about their beliefs, and so that's why they're pushing so hard. Secondly, Twitter has become an echo chamber of these kinds of ideas. Most of social media has. Um, and social media tech giants, they tend to lean on the side of the left. Um, so Tim Poole gives an example in when he when he talked with Joe Rogan and Jack Dorsey uh, that uh, Jack Dorsey would would ban somebody off of Twitter for the exact conversation that you were just having about how um, there's there's only um, two bio biological genders um, and that they would ban somebody for saying that and, and it's like well hold up a second you you're you're banning um, this is this is a viewpoint of the right. This is a viewpoint of conservatives, and uh, you can't just ban people. It's not biological truth. It's ideological. 
And um, <clears throat> on on one side. There's... Yeah, that's what I was uh, what I was going to say earlier. Before I thought is before I messed up. Sorry. The uh, so the top big five, they're called the big five personality traits is uh, liberals will line up on uh, you know it's not a coincidence that most actors and musicians lean on the left. It's because you have to be born with particular temperaments to even be interested in that. You see that in gender. So uh, male engineers are like 20 to 1 male to female. It used to not be like it in the 1970s. There's a few more women in there. Same with uh, nursing. Uh, Women have completely dominated. uh, You know, like men dominate bricklaying and things like that, engineering, uh, chess. Uh, Women are dominating the... the, uh, the medical field that's that's okay more power to you that's fine that's good and we've made major uh innovations but uh the reason is because people that are born with particular temperaments gravitate towards certain uh job choices and that's when you get into the the myth of the gender wage gap and stuff like that so uh journalists for example they'll they'll you're born with particular temperaments and values that you gravitate towards, and you also do it in um, job choice, like journalism, for example. I am. This is. I'm in agreement with you. See, like for me personally, uh, my my personal opinion is everybody should have the right to choose what field they want to go into and if you're more inclined to go into a certain field then that's fine if you are a woman and you become a ceo of a company and there are several women that are ceos of companies yes that's no good. That's no fine. no problem that's fine do it do it mm-hmm. and you can um i've seen it happen multiple times it, it's you <sighs> The whole glass ceiling idea, the whole idea of um, that you're not able to succeed if you're of a certain color, of a certain gender, um, some sort of minority because the the deck is stacked against you against rich white men or by rich white men. um, I understand where it comes from. But at the same time, every person is born with a handicap. So you can't really... um, you have to you have to uh you have to get past your handicap you have to work on your successes and your advantages because just like everybody's born with a handicap they're also um also born with an advantage you know lebron james likes to talk about how he uh they're all about white privilege and and people hunting black people down the street yeah he's got Maybe he has a disadvantage of being black. I'm not entirely certain that I see it. But, but he's tall. Uh, he's tall. tall people he's have athletic, privileges. and he he's a multimillionaire now. And I just don't think that it's what percentage of that is due to the color. Like if I'm success, successful, mm-hmm. what percentage of that was due to my whiteness? You see I mean, the conundrum. <laughs> the, the 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 problem. That's actually a really good question, and I think that this is the problem with the, the left's argument in general, is that there really is no way to quantify it. And there are several people who know what it's like to go through poverty, and they don't understand this idea of having privilege because they have white skin. And um, Maybe it's due to something like IQ, which you're just born with. Well... Okay, I don't I don't really rely upon the argument of IQ because I don't think that it's inflexible. Uh people people 
seem very stuck on the idea that you're born with a certain IQ and that IQ can never change. And that doesn't, that doesn't really make sense to me. Because if, okay, so um, on one extreme, if you get brain damage, that's going to affect your IQ, you know. So obviously your IQ can go down. Um, and it seems like to me that there are things that can be done to make it go up as well. And um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that intelligence is innate. Um, to a certain extent, it is. There's a, there's a, there's a naturalness to uh, intelligence. But there's also a drive to intelligence. If you don't do anything with your intelligence, if you're born with a 300 IQ, but you're not doing anything, then what's the use of your IQ? You know, you're not really that intelligent of a person to begin with. Um, it's the best indicator. The top three are uh, intelligence, con conscientiousness, and uh, disagreeableness, actually. Which, I, here's a really good point uh, that I try to bring up to everyone. I was talking about poor my white privilege found me in the homeless shelter for a few months about five years ago. And I noticed that uh, n about 90% were white males. So whatever you have at the top will also be at the bottom. I mean, the people, the suicide victims and stuff. But back to your point about IQ, I mean, we all know some morons that are put in positions of power. So I, for me personally, I just don't think that it's a fixed number. I think that you can actually do things to increase your intelligence, and I think um, that there are certain things that people do that can diminish their intelligence as well. I don't think that um, if you're if you're, okay, so if you're drinking alcohol every single day, um, maybe it doesn't affect your base level IQ, but it definitely is going to affect your um, decision making skills, your your ability to reason all of these different things that are going to have an impact on your IQ. I, I, my, my whole point on that is that I don't think that it's a permanent number. I think that people say that, but even still, I don't even think that IQ is a proper um, a proper measure of intelligence. Well, uh, I would agree with that, but let me give you an example, try to say what uh, I'm trying to, to say, because I partly agree with it. So they came out with Head Start for kids. The idea was give them an extra year and maybe we can increase overall IQ. Now there's two di different forms. There's fluid IQ and there's crystallized IQ. You never lose your crystallized IQ. So, uh, but you'll lose a little, a little bit of fluid IQ as you age. And all IQ is, is problem solving, the ability to problem solve. So um, they came up with Head Start and to give kids an, an extra year an advantage and maybe that would increase their IQ. And it did till about age nine or 10. And then it just leveled off to where it would be anyway. And it, and we see, okay, so here's the way that I look at it. Imagine that you have two people and you give them the same test. You have five minutes to complete this puzzle. Uh, that's a problem, problem solving skills. So that would fall into the, the area of IQ. If you take one of those people and you give them five more tests um, of a similar nature, five more puzzles, and the second person you don't give them any additional puzzles. And then at the end of that, you have one person that, or the, the one person that you had do the, the six total puzzles and the one person that only did one puzzle, if you had them go <clears throat> head to head, I think that the one that did six at the end would show a higher level of IQ. 
So for me, I think that a dedicated effort to raising your IQ can actually pull it off. Here's, Practice. Here's a point. Uh, another one that uh, yeah, I still partly agree with you. Okay, uh, I will go, go ahead and clarify. Everything that I'm saying is theoretical. I haven't done any Correct. research yeah. or anything. Yeah, like it's just it's something that makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah, just uh, kind of uh, playing with something, trying to recombinate the pieces. So, um, the. Uh, we want people in society uh, that solve our problems. And since there's not an abundance of geniuses, we rely on the geniuses to solve our world problems. So what we do is we've come up with a system that raises the people with the highest IQ up to the top as fast as possible. To And sometimes we pay them large amounts to solve the world, our world problems. Uh, so I noticed that in high school and places that the teachers would spend extra time with the kids that were going to make it anyway. Why didn't you focus on the ones that were, uh, that needed the help to try to, uh, give them a chance. And then a couple of years ago, I realized just looking at social sciences, personality, and, uh, that <clears throat> that's the reason is, is to give those, to, to raise those people to the top as fast as, you know, I probably have maybe a 90 IQ. I've never tested it. I've guessed it. I've taken a personality test, and uh, I'm actually I tested out as a liberal. I'm on the left, but I have really conservative ideas. But I play guitar and like acting and stuff. I'm not interested in sports. Um, I like to wrestle and fight things like that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I see your point. That'd be something for me to. Uh, it's to something think I about. should I should probably research further. It's just an idea I've been toying with. Like I I just don't. I think that it's an accepted idea that needs to be challenged. I'm just not entirely certain on the the accuracy okay, well, of, that's a, that's of a, the idea that uh, IQ is inflexible. That's a good point. So, um, so say like the Charles Murray study. It was called. Uh, he wrote a book called the Bell Bell Curve, mm -hmm. where he tested out uh, IQ by race. Now, I do not like uh, IQ fetishes where they um, because, and back to an earlier point that you made is. The thing about earlier, you were talking about equality of opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's the the sovereignty of the individual is what Western society hinges on. Mao, Stalin, Hitler, it hinged on. It doesn't matter who you are as an individual. It matters what group you belong to. Mm -hmm. That's why identity politics is, when the left radicalizes and goes, goes too far, it's really hard to pinpoint how exactly. But isn't it funny that growing up, yeah, you know, I heard about the Nazis, but I never really heard about the atrocities of uh, the Holodomor, the Ukrainian genocide that Stalin, or the Russian genocide, or the Chinese genocide. It's so have awful. Have you ever uh, ever listened to Dinesh D'Souza? I used to about four years ago, and then I got caught up with other people. You know, I just saw his Hillary documentary. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch the whole thing, the first, first ten minutes, but I need to. Um, he did one, I'm trying to think of which one it was because i've seen almost all of the the videos he's made um did you see the debate with chank uger and dinesh uh -huh. i don't know if i watched that one it was awful all he did was you know dinesh well what you have is when you have it was about race i believe because it was 2016 mm -hmm. and uh it was racially divided at the time ironically during an election year and uh he just pulled these cheap tricks to try to spin around and make him look racist. And he was just trying to, the Ben Shapiro one with Shank Uger was, uh, was way better. Uh, we could go on. Uh, I mean, that, 
if we ever do this again, we need to uh, get specific uh, topics because what I was really wanting to talk to you about, um, <clears throat> I have a third thing, but uh, the, the phenomenon with, with Trump, and I see what you're trying to do on, what you're trying to do on Facebook is you're trying to invite dialogue like we're because two three years ago and i'm still addicted to this to, to troll people and i don't mean name call uh stuff like that but to leave bait and as soon as just by taking the bait they lose automatically and it was really fun liberal tears are really fun uh there's a guy at work that has trump derangement syndrome and i saw it for the first time it's about a week ago and it was really something because this old man was just like oh, i just uh trump i see and uh, he really believes that Trump killed those 200,000 people. I'm sure he has no idea that Europe, European deaths are, uh, I think, 225 million. So it's just how the media takes those things. And this coronavirus from the get-go. So oh, I, I get ahead of myself here. There's a History Channel documentary from 2013. I've seen half of it. It's from 2013. I'm watching it. And they were talking about uh, the Freemasons which, by the way, I think have infiltrated the Catholic Church about 150 years ago. That's a t topic to research. But anyway, so uh, they were talking about the Stonehenges in Georgia and the New World Order, and they were talking about, they were, History Channel was interviewing this guy about uh, fascist government taking over and that uh, the New World Order, and they're like, well, how? Oh, by pandemic or something like that. And it was just like an arrow to the brain immediately. So some, if you take like QAnon, for example, it's a combination of a lot of conspiracy theories. I, I have a hard time believing that Michelle Obama is a, a trans man, but there's, there's an element of truth at like Pizzagate. I remember watching that a couple of years ago and being like, because the satanic panic of the 19, late 1980s, have you researched that? I've looked into it a little bit. I'm not entirely certain that people should have been as dismissive of it as they are now. Because if people talk about it and they're like, oh, the satanic panic. <laughs> and I think that it probably did get too far based on what I've seen. But at the same time, I think that they were on the right path and they probably should have uh, should have stuck with it. My son was abused when he was three, brutally beaten. And uh, that's how I got full custody. And uh, so I really lived with that. And I really uh, investigated three-year-olds and lying and the st the numbers on it statistics are like 50 50 of like judges and experts telling if they can if they're even telling the truth mm -hmm. it's impossible to because they interpret questions differently than adults obviously because if you're like hey did this happen to you where it's not really a question it's oh they want to know something and that's valuable and if you pay attention the kids, they don't even know their line. I mean, it's not like they know what planet they're on anyway. Yeah. But uh, back to uh, the New World Order and the, the, the pandemic. There's there's two things. I would like to talk about the coronavirus. And um, I want to talk about... Let's do the coronavirus first. And then let's... Uh, that'll be a segue into uh, what Trump is, uh, why he should be president, and um, why... When I interview Father Ronnie, it's going to be like dialogue between the left and the right. Real quick, I'll give you an example of what. So the Pope, the last three Popes have been real big about we need to have dialogue. Now, the conservative Catholics argue that, oh, you want to have dialogue with atheists, 
pro pro abortion Democrats. The ones with this that's how you infiltrate that political ideology in there because we can create you can criticize it theologically perfectly, but um. So the point is to have dialogue. They never say what for or what the end result. The church's goal should be saving souls, mm-hmm. um, not like climate change, really. Well, maybe we should leave that to the experts. But what I'm going to bring up to Father Ronnie is how come you don't have conversations with uh, Orthodox Catholics, the ones that like the uh, pre-60s uh, all Latin mass and that type? If I brought it up before and they just were, were horrified I would even bring it up, and which only catches my attention. So anyway, um, you can spend a whole podcast talking about Trump. But uh, last time I spoke with you about this, it's like, okay, what do we do about uh, everything that's going online and the uh, racial tension, everything's so polarized? And you said, right now we just need to listen. And like I said, trolling was fun, but I I have a spiritual director. I've been talking to uh, another priest, um, my spiritual director. And um, he said, there's nothing you can do. They won't listen. They won't because they believe that they have moral superiority. They're right. And, and if you don't agree, you must be a bad person as of it's like, look, I don't think you're a bad person. I just think you're wrong. And that's so part of their identity. It's the lens in which they view everything. So you want to have dialogue, but but not conservatives, Catholic Catholics who keep being correct in their predictions. So how can we how can we have dialogue to people that aren't interested? They they would rather fight for racial injustice they don't see that it's so have you heard of Saul Alinsky yeah rules so for radicals. rules for radicals I'm going to read that book but one of them is I've got it on audible right now they, uh, uh, they had it for free on there I think just accuse oh, the no, other of what uh, it's on YouTube free the audio okay uh, you just accuse the other of what you yourself are guilty of mm-hmm it's a trick of the left. They do so, which is why they accuse the right. The Republican listeners will be very familiar with that. I've brought it up like three or four times on my okay. podcast. That specific okay. rule, accuse, accuse. I mean, well, you can definitely see that with um, the Russian collusion thing, with the new declassifications that we have that show that John Brennan, the head of the CIA, was going to James Comey and Barack Obama and telling them, "Hey, Russia is giving us information that Hillary Clinton's going to try to discredit the." Uh, um, the Trump campaign by uh, pushing a Russian collusion narrative. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's... I'm out of the loop on that. It was just so much for me to take in uh, what's going on with Bill Barr. And I keep waiting for these mass arrests. Like, like They're not going to happen until not... after the election. Um, I don't know if we're going to have any arrest before the election. Hopefully we'll have the Durham report, but... Um... So what do you think we can do about... What's your tactic for dialogue? Okay, so kind of have to walk back a little bit what I said. The core of what I said is accurate, uh, and it's what we should strive for. And that's um, it actually is a principle that comes from Stephen R. Covey in his book, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. And uh, uh, rule number four in that, or habit number four on that is uh, seek first to understand and then be understood. And uh, that's a principle that I'm trying to apply when I can have a dialogue with people. Right. I've got that down to where I know immediately that I'll never get anywhere with this person. The people that are honestly asking. Because I grew up Catholic, 
my dad taught me real well how to argue my principles with like say protestants these uh and different fringe denominations why do you do this why don't you believe the bible says this it's uh y'all all you need is faith in jesus christ why would you need works that's anti-biblical and it's like well we don't believe one or the other it's both together we, we actually agree on it we just have different definitions of the same words and it's almost identical to what's going on in politics is at this point, it's so radicalized that they have such an identity to these beliefs. They're willing to deny biological gender, something that's so, um, we yeah. would, surely we would all agree on something like it, but it go, the rock goes way deeper. They don't believe in objective truth. Well, here is my thing. Um, especially on Facebook, the reason why you're having that discussion is not to change anybody's mind. Okay. It's to, uh, people are paying attention. People are paying attention whether or not they're interacting with the post, whether or not they're, uh, they're commenting on it. Um, people are reading what I have to say and they'll tell me about it later. And I'll be like, well, I didn't even know you saw that post because you didn't interact with it. But here's my mission now when it comes to Facebook specifically um last month it was it was very offensive i was i was putting out a lot of stuff that was very aggressively pro-trump okay. to try to lure um people in that would start seeing that uh disagreeing in my comments and see that the, here's here's one thing that i'm going to say to anybody listening that's thinking about doing this know what you're saying before you go into this I've I've spent the last four years researching Trump. Like, almost every single fake news story I've seen in real time, I know why it's fake news. I know um, I know these stories, and I can quickly find the the sources that back up what I have to say. So that's that's what I'll do is I'll throw these things out there, and um, I'm trying to learn how to be more persuasive. And, and you're learning in the process. What I'm what I'm what I'm trying to focus on, I'm not writing a response to this person. I'm writing a response for everybody else to hear. Um, That's my would be my argument with trolling. It's like I'm just keeping you on the hook there, kind of like prank calling. You keep them on the the line, which prank calling was the original uh, trolling, if y'all remember that. <laughs> but it was to uh, for everyone else to see to point out their stupidity was a go. Now that comment that uh, I deleted. I didn't see it till after the fact that uh, you're like, we're trying to have a civil conversation. And I, I think I did just what I said I tried not to do, name call or, or dog piling or something like that. And uh, once I, once he told me that, Aaron, <laughs> the, um, I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. And then I went back to our last conversation. We need to listen. And uh, my big thing when it comes to arguing with the left is to be a reflection of what the left is being. Uh, so there are people who disagree with my post, and they come in and they are completely civil. And I'm going to be completely civil to those people. Now, see, what I have noticed is that when people are doing similar things, that even when people get on their post and they're civil, they'll immediately go into that attack mode of somebody who isn't civil. And so you... You have to really look at the situation, and what I try to do is uh, be as close to what they wrote uh, with huh. what I write. So if they're bringing a very aggressive tone, I'm going to bring a little bit. I'm going to bring a very aggressive tone that's a little bit more because 
on the same level that I'm trying to prove my point, I'm also trying to dominate the thread. And I know that that mm. sounds bad, but it is part of it is part of the strategy of these discussions it, it is, and yeah. these debates is if they're coming at you and they're calling you a racist, call them a racist right back because more than likely their ideology is racist whether or not they Correct. realize it. Yeah, especially critical race theory. I mean, it, it's not reverse racism. It is racism. It is racism. Saying that what, judging things on the color of their skin, it's, it's, it is regressive. Well, it's... Um, okay, so like the things that I don't like is... Uh, okay, so you have... Critical race theory, one of the things that they preach is that white people are ultimately in a, a position of privilege. They get better jobs, they get better opportunities, they get more money, um, all of these things. Um, and without saying it, but completely saying it, what they're saying is that the white race is superior. That is white supremacy. Correct. That is what these people are pushing. Yeah. They may they may flower it up with different terminology and like we were talking about the, the, the war of language. It, uh-huh. There's a, a language war as well. But it is white supremacy. It is teaching white people that they're in the only difference between white supremacy and um, oh, what's it called? Critical race theory. The mm-hmm. only difference between that is um, white supremacists will say white people are superior than black people and you should feel good about that. And critical race theory says white people are superior to black people and you should feel bad about it. Right, and there's no absolution. It's very religious. I remember uh, so during the reign of Chairman Mao in China, there was a. a, a so this Asian guy had uh, the red booklet. And he read off some uh, some Marxist quotes, <clears throat> and ended it with uh, uh, "Long live Chairman Mao! May he live a thousand years!" And it's very religious. They used to set people in chairs and circles. I think North Korea still does this. Yeah, Michael Mao said North Korea. They'll they'll say something that some of their faults for that day, and um, you're talking about a struggle session. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's a communist tactic. And what they do is that they will bring you into the middle of the of the of the area, and they tell you that you have to confess your sins. And if they if you don't it's confess religious. if they don't if you don't confess your sins, then they'll they'll beat you or they'll taunt you or they'll humiliate you. Um, and China, I've heard that they rape people. Like it's it's really bad. And that's what I think. I don't know if this is what you're segueing into, but that is what we're seeing in critical race theory. Is uh, people are are uh these these leaders are coming in and they're they're um they're telling white people that they have to confess their sins of whiteness the uh-huh. the privilege that they felt and how they uh they benefited from their whiteness and and all of it all of it is is a demoralization session where they put these people in these rooms and they make them feel bad for something that they can't control and cool that, the, you wouldn't these... you wouldn't do this to like a gay person. You wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> right. it's twenty twenty. You wouldn't put somebody in a in a in a room and be like, "You're a gay person. Commit uh, to your sin of being gay." It's bullying. Yeah, it's it's bullying, and you're trying to change somebody. Um, I they're, they're it, trying it to is, break them down so they can build them back up. 
I don't even think that they want to build them back up. You know, like the the building back up, that's an army tactic. But the 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 demoralization of the struggle session, that's a build that's a taking you down and not letting you get back up. You are a worthless person. You don't deserve anything. You've gotten so much because so much privilege because of the way that you were born and you should just take a step back. You should stop being successful. You should stop trying and you should just feel bad about yourself. And I think that that's what they want for everybody. It's just it, it doesn't even have to come through the 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 lens of race. It's just they want everybody to feel bad about themselves, so they live in this life of depression and they don't ever succeed. A, a living hell is what it sounds like. Let's get into uh, the Freemasons real quick. So, <clears throat> the Freemasons about two hundred years ago, this is well documented. Uh, the uh, uh, several popes in the early nineteen hundreds and before. We're writing encyclicals saying no Catholic has any business becoming a Freemason. And so <clears throat> Catholics and Freemasons have always been at odds. But uh, the Freemasons, their their idea was to have a one world religion. Yeah. And they knew that the Catholic Church thinks in centuries and it, there's no way to tear it down. They discovered that. Uh, this is after the French Revolution. So they decided to infiltrate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they started placing people in positions, uh, in teaching positions, and they recruited some uh, priests, and they eventually elevated them to uh, uh, cardinals. <clears throat> and uh, if you look, uh, the, the Freemason god is Baphomet, mm-hmm. and he's got two tattoos, and it says, Salve et Calagula. It means dissolve and bind. Mm-hmm. And there is, there's, there's this idea in uh, Catholicism that... If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. And it's probably going to be demonic. The Romans noted that as Christianity grew, the power of their gods diminished. So if you, uh, <clears throat> I don't, th- I, I think Sarah, there, I think a substantial minority of people would agree that Baphomet is demonic if you follow it all the way down to its core. And even if you don't believe in heaven or hell or any of that, uh, just use it as a meta narrative. It's kind of like, AA, which has a fourth and fifth step, which is uh, like a confess your sins type. I mean, there's certain programs that uh, that will will work and psychologically, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be true. Your higher power in AA could be the meeting itself, but but that's you know you you have to have a higher power in order to rid yourself of addiction. But anyway, so the Freemasons uh, have slowly infiltrated, and it looks like this critical race theory is the new world religion. So, so you, they don't even have to conquer anything. Necessarily. They've already done it. It's all, So what do you think about a, a fascist takeover, which is my Saul Alinsky point? They're accusing Trump of, of being a fascist, and if he wanted to, he could have had several opportunities to do it already. That's not what he wants to do at all. Trump isn't even ideological. He's a... Uh, I think he's honestly trying to, he honestly cares about America. So, um, about critical race theory and, um, the black lives matter and matter and everything that it, it's global, this thing that's going on. And what do you see about, um, them taking, not, not that they are taking over. I mean, Sometimes the the problem is it's the the problems over here on um, you know and they're like oh here's the problem this is the big catastrophe, but that's usually not the catastrophe it's usually the thing over here you're not paying attention to. 
uh, the idea of false flags, things, where do you th see things going? There's a lot of questions there. <laughs> so, like, um, what what do I see for the future? Like, would, am I worried about... Uh, a one-world government is what I mean specifically. All right. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe it will happen. If it does happen, then there's not really anything that we can do about it right now, and the people that we think are on our side aren't on our side. Uh, there's all, no, no other way to, to put it. Um, okay. The New World Order, that is... That's a thing. All right? it, it's been a thing. It's a thing for... It's, it's, it's been a thing for centuries. It's well documented. Yes. It's... Um, on the Georgia Stonehenge. One, one government, one religion, uh, one currency, all of these things connected. And uh, it's the, the elites, the rich and powerful, the, the people whose names you haven't even heard of, who are in control of these things. And they're trying to get everybody under the same submission because they want ultimate power and control. For me, it's kind of a stupid thing to, to go after, but that's what they want. <laughs> right, gain the whole world but lose your soul. What's the point? For... This, as far as I'm aware, this has been the ultimate battle since the beginning of time. Yes. Has been against humanity and freedom, against the people working in the shadows who want to enslave everybody. The dragon and the lamb. Um, these, these bloodlines, these people who are all connected to each other through intermarriage and, and their bloodlines... Uh, they've been around for millennia. Um, and as far as as the track record, the the documentation that you're talking about, that for me, as far as I've been able to trace back, starts with the Rosicrucians in the 1600s, around the time of Shakespeare. Um, okay. But I believe that they they exist prior to towards that, before that. And what there has been has been a continuous movement of these shadowy figures building up momentum behind the scenes and getting to the point of being able to take control, and then they lose. Like Napoleon and Hitler. Because um, I see it as a spiritual warfare, not so much um, temporal. It is. It's very much spiritual warfare. So do you, And you don't have to get into this if you don't want to. Do you really believe that there's an elite uh, satanic pedophile ring? Absolutely, yeah. That, I mean, that's that uh, you. You said well documented. Um, okay, Jeffrey Epstein is connected to Prince Andrew, connected to Kevin Spacey, connected to Bill Clinton, yes. who's Lane Maxwell, who's also connected to. Uh, well, R. Kelly. It, they're they're not connected to him, but he got arrested. Uh, George Nader. Um, you think Some. evil naturally? Uh, okay, here's an example. Well, Rick, actually, real quick, uh, we also got. I, I also want to throw in that one guy. There was a British entertainer. Um, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he um, well connected with the royal family. Uh, he had he, Jimmy, Jimmy Jimmy Savile. Jim, yeah, Jimmy Savile. Jimmy Savile was well connected Ugh. to the royal family. Uh, he was he was knighted, um, mm -hmm. and. Um, had a television program that was kind of like the make a wish thing uh -huh. he would he would do nice things for unfortunate children 
Mm -hmm. uh, that was a weird way to phrase that <laughs> for mis disadvantaged children. How Did about that? Did you know that? the guy that owned the Wendell Foster Center? After he died, it came out that he molested a bunch of people there. I had not heard about that, actually. But yeah, I mean, same thing here with this Jimmy Savile thing. Um, after he died, hundreds of people started coming forward Son, and talking. I didn't know it was hundreds. Yeah, it's hundreds. Started coming forward. And then, to make it worse, the guy that was in charge of the BBC um, and covered up all of Jimmy Savile's atrocities came to America and is now the head of the New York Times. So, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. But all of these people are connected to each other. They're all in, engaged in human trafficking and pedophilia. And we have plenty of people who are engaged in this activity for it to be a few bad apples or something like that. It, yeah. They're obviously connected when Bill you start Clinton's looking at the, at the web. And, uh, Hillary, uh, Oh, so much to get into. I have a theory, uh, and it's the reason I quit pornography and masturbation. I started because of my personal beliefs, religiously. I didn't want to die and go to hell. I wanted to get myself, if any catastrophe comes up, um, any natural catastrophe, whatever, I wanted to be okay with dying. and mm -hmm. had to, So I quit watching porn and, and masturbation. And it's been real good for me, but... I started to notice that my endorphins needed more and more to get off. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at stuff that I never thought I would have found uh, I would have been sexually attracted to. Golden showers, degrading things like this. And that's another reason why I knew I had to quit. This was going down uh, a dark road. Who knows where it uh, could have led to. So I wonder if you get in positions of power where you can have anything you want, like, and you got to have more and more to get you off, the more you want to degrade and dominate Eventually, I mean, what's the most innocent of innocence? Children. And is it a it's... natural phenomenon? No. Uh, no. It's not a natural phenomenon. It's very... It will lead to it. I think that some, yes. That's to the, some, yeah. It's the natural conclusion, but those people probably already had the pre-dedication, whatever. Yeah. They probably already lean that way, is what I'm trying to say. So, the... But for the majority of people... Um, going back to the bloodlines and everything is that they get, they get induced into it at a very young age. Um, why wouldn't there be more people like those kids that were talking about, uh, the black masses and children being babies being sacrificed. They were little British kids. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, why aren't there more people coming forward? Uh -huh. I think there's a lot more people than you think have come forward. They just don't ever. Do you get think a... some get murdered so that they don't? I think that they just don't get a platform. Last night in itself, I was listening to uh, on BitChute. There was a three-part series, and it's about three hours long in total, where this uh, this lady was talking about. Um, she was. She was raised at a very young age to uh to become like a, an illuminati witch basically like one of the higher levels of this inner circle um and her job was going to be procuring children and sacrificing them um there's a lot of witnesses who have come forward some news just came out two days ago a lot of people are unaware two days ago a priest and two women were uh, arrested in the church the parish priest it was uh louisiana uh, he was filming a dominatrix porn video, and mm -hmm. he was half in his cassock, and these two girls, they both had, like, dyed black hair, and the girl on her Instagram uh, said, uh, posted, we're on our way to desecrate, desecrate a house of God. 
and a woman happened to be walking by and seen it, and they were all three arrested. And uh, the bishop came back in and uh, uh, reconsecrated the altar back to it. Now the Jews, I think it, I think it was Maccabees. It's it's a book that's left out of the out of the Protestant Bible. It's in the Catholic Bible. Uh, pork pigs were considered to be unclean, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the their invaders had sacrificed a pig on their altar, and they tore down the entire temple and never even used the blocks, and that's that's how it how much it defiled. So, it, it there's, you know the the Antichrist. Here's how I if I was going to write a fictional book, it would be a, a globalized. Uh, uh, one world government that the any you know there's going to be a crisis and antichrist will step in and i just think it would be the most evil of evils jesus says in the gospels um that the people still left alive will wish they would they'll envy the dead are the are the words and it's it's always been there's uh two old sayings that uh christians will be martyred like in the time of nero uh, there's one theologian, uh, Jimmy Atkin, he's got some great uh, mystery YouTube videos. But anyway, he's a well-known Catholic apologist. And uh, he says that the most, the book of Revelation, most of it is referring to Nero. The 666 is the combination of Jews would use letters for their numbers. And each number meant something, like uh, uh, 6 was demonic, for example. 7 was infinite. And uh, Nero spells out... Uh, 666 and the christians at the time it was written christians were dying at the time or about to incidentally revelation was written by john and he was the only apostle not to be martyred and he was also the only apostle that was at the cross at christ's death they all scattered here's another one um when jesus was in the agony of of the garden i think peter and two others were with him and uh, he said, keep watch. And uh, he came back, I think, like three times, and they'd fallen asleep. And uh, so I guess my point is everybody's everybody's sleeping. Uh, do you, so you, you said WikiLeaks has been uh, hijacked, let's say. Uh, the John Podesta emails, you know, I've, I've read a lot of those those emails, it's, it's Spirit Cooking and Aleister Crowley, the, those connections. They're not just like random connections, though. No. Uh, the uh, Brockovich? Um, uh, Marina Embramovic. No, yeah, she's, uh, she's a Satanist. Mm-hmm. She, she makes no bones about it. Uh, and so they're involved in the in these satanic type. Spirit Cooking is a satanic ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Luciferian is probably a closer term. Um I, I I use the term satanic a lot, um, but Satanist itself is a um, kind of a religion. It's a I think it's more of a parody religion than an actual religion. And if you look at the tenets of Satanism, even though I do think it can lead to Luciferianism, um, Satanism itself is very mild in compared to what what we're talking about right now. Right, um, but, and then some of the principles are actually worth investing in. Others less so, I think. But um, what, what was your question? 
Uh, I really wanted to get to uh, at this Alex Actually, Jones. Uh, I tell you what, um, this will only let me record for about an hour at a time, so we're gonna take a quick break. Just pause, save the save the recording, and then we'll come back in and we'll do a few more minutes. Good, we're about to get into the good stuff. 